taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. It is great to be with you before you're seated at all of our campuses. Just turn to somebody to your right or left and just say, hey man, it's great to sit with you at church today. You sounded good. You look good. It is, it is great to be with you today. If you're a guest at, at Journey Church, uh, we're thrilled that you're with us. We don't call you a visitor uh, because a visitor means you were unexpected. I don't know if you ever had a visitor at your house. You don't want to answer the door when a visitor comes. And so you're not a visitor. You're a guest. We hope that from the moment that you got here, that you have felt at home, that we have done our best to make sure that you understand how God feels about you uh, by the way that we tried to treat you t- today. And so uh, we, we always spend 30, 35 minutes uh, opening up the Bible, God's Word, and we just kind of talk through different topics, different series. And so you've, you've come today in the middle of a series that's really good for you to visit on because we're, we're, we're not really going like week to week to week and saying, hey, if you weren't here the last three weeks, you need to catch up. Uh, we're, we're doing a sermon series on leadership. And so what I believe is I believe everything rises and falls on leadership, your business, your family, your parenting, uh, your, your personal leadership. Everything rises and falls on leadership. And, and I think something that's cool is, is we get to follow the best leader this world has ever known. We, not only do we get to follow him, the Bible says we get to be filled with the same power in, in him through his resurrection, through what he did for us on the cross that was in him when he rose from the dead. So the same power that enabled him to rise from the dead, it's, it's made available to us. So we can be and have the type of influence and be the type of leader uh, that Jesus was. And so we started a few weeks back, and I'm just giving you leadership principles from the life of Christ. And so first one was from the golden rule. You, you want to be what you want to see. You want better friends, become a better friend. You want, you want to experience more generosity from God, become a more generous person. You're going to be what you want to see. Two weeks back, we talked about always taking the high road. Jesus said to turn the other cheek. To, to, to If somebody wants you to walk one mile, walk two miles. Somebody wants your, your shirt, give them your, your coat. Like get, get, Give to people. Always take the, the high road. And then last week, we, we talked about one of my favorite is being great at the, the small things. Everybody wants to be great at the big things, but Jesus, he, he teaches us to be great at the small things. If you want to be trusted with, with greater responsibilities, be really trustworthy with whatever God has given you right now. And so be great at the small things. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I know all of you are great at. I want to talk to you about your attitudes. We're going to talk uh, about how attitude is everything. We're going to take a page out of Jay Wright's book, but Jay Wright took a page out of Jesus' book, and we're going to talk about how attitude is everything. And I know maybe you don't, you don't understand this, and maybe you don't deal with a bad attitude, but for me, I tend to struggle with, with a negative attitude. I tend to struggle uh, with being nitpicky. I tend to struggle with, with, with seeing the glass as half, as half full. I tend to struggle with being more uh, uh, cynical. I, I tend to struggle with, with my attitude. If there was ever a struggle, in fact, this week as I, I prepared my sermon, I'll get done on Tuesday, and then it goes to, to, to the place it needs to go on Wednesday. Where we put the notes up, and everybody, it kind of goes through the process of working its way towards here on Sunday before I actually speak it. I can't tell you how much of a struggle it's been with my attitude. We've been playing volleyball as a staff, and I've had a bad attitude there, and my kids, you know, I always have a bad attitude with them, and my wife makes me have a bad attitude from time to time, and so, and, I, and I, as I've been getting closer, I'm like, I got to keep this in check until Sunday. After Sunday, I won't be a hypocrite, right, because I can say I'm working on it, but at least until Sunday, you need to be really good 
at your attitude. And so I don't know if I'm just going to be preaching to myself, but from knowing you, I think some of you need it as well. We're going to talk about the significance of your, your attitude. Let me explain to you. When I started this church 13 years ago in 2005, moved from Oklahoma, moved to Pennsylvania, there, there was a time in my life, my wife's from Oklahoma, she wasn't fully aware of Pennsylvania culture, Pennsylvania people, Pennsylvania food, Pennsylvania roads. Like, if you've never been outside of Pennsylvania, you don't know what I'm talking about, but we live in a, in a, in a different area of the, of the country. It's just, it's just very unique. People are very unique, to say the least. Uh, our food options are, are, are very limited. You have a diner, pizza, one, one or the other. And, and so like when we first moved here, we spent a lot of time with negative attitude. We didn't have a Target near us. Uh, we didn't have a Starbucks near us. We lived in Boyertown. That's a whole nother sermon. And so uh, we, we had pink carpet in our first apartment when we lived here. You know, we, 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 didn't, we didn't have certain things that we had when we lived you know, in the city in Dallas and in Oklahoma City. And, and we spent our first two years at this place really really with the negative attitudes. So just, just talking always about missing, missing this and not having this and not being able to go to Target and, 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 and not, like, like this, there's things that we just didn't have and was super negative, negative about people, like didn't, didn't remember that you didn't look at people in the eyes in Pennsylvania and you drove a certain way and you didn't, you just, you, if you walked into a diner, everybody stares at you and I just forgot about all those experiences. So very, very negative attitude for the first two years. Then we got a building given to us, which is how we started our real church in, in Limerick. And, and we got a building given to us. And in that moment, there, you ever have an epiphany where you're like, okay, we're, we're probably supposed to stay here. But if we're going to stay here, Pennsylvania is probably not going to change. So we're going to have to change. Like people, you're, you aren't any different than you were 13 years ago. You're still rude. Uh, still don't make eye contact. Still pizza or diners, like roads are still windy. You get sick if you're not used to them. Takes an hour to go three. You ever type in your GPS and it's like, you know, 4.5 miles estimated arrival, 45 minutes? That's not normal. Like they put these roads in after people lived here. In Oklahoma, everything's a grid. And so you can go 45 miles in 20 minutes. And so, and so it's just a different world. And we got this building given to us and we decided we're supposed to stay here. But if we're going to stay here, we need to shift our attitude. And so we shifted our attitude and all of a sudden everything about our experience here changed. And some of you, you live your life and, and you live it with the assumption that the reason your attitude is wrong is because of the husband that you're married to the wife that you have, the kids, your kids are so annoying. They're, they're, they're unlike any other people's kids in the history of the world. Your job, your boss, your, 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 your co-workers, your, your family, you're under the assumption that the reason you have a, a bad attitude is, is because of something that's out there. But I want to explain something to you today as we get started. And this will kind of be the foundation of everything that I want to talk about. Because if attitude is everything, you need to remember that it's my attitude that ultimately will shift my atmosphere. It's my attitude that will ultimately shift my atmosphere. You can't always change what you're going through. You can't always change who you're married to. You, you can't always change who you work with or work for. You don't even get to decide what type of personalities that the kids that you have have. They just come out sometimes crazy, right? You don't get to decide all those situations and scenarios, but you do get to decide your attitude. And one thing you need to understand is we think that atmosphere changes attitude, but that's not true. Because if you're miserable in Pennsylvania and you move to Florida, guess what? You're still there. And if you're miserable in your marriage and you get divorced, guess what? You're still there. If you're miserable at your job 
and you switch jobs, oftentimes the problem is in the job that it's you and you switch jobs and you're still miserable, it's because you're still there. It's not your atmosphere that affects your attitude. It's your attitude that changes your atmosphere. If you go home into your house and every day when you come in, you're huffy puffy and you're whining about everybody making a mess in your house and you're yelling at your kids right when you get there and you're yelling at your spouse and all this stuff, guess what? The atmosphere of your house is crazy. But if you walk in and even though there's stuff all over the walls and floors and you're stepping over and you're going, hey kids, Hey guys, and they come. I mean, the atmosphere is completely different. If you show up at work on Monday, I mean, I hate Mondays, and you talk to nobody. I used to do this. I was a pastor of this church. We work in a big open concept office. I hate Monday. I hate, I loathe Mondays. Like I, I hate talking about church. I don't even want to think about church on Monday, right? But we work on Mondays. And so we, we go into the office and we have a big open, con- there was a season of my life where I would just get in there, open my computer and just sit there and people would walk by me. I say nothing. I wasn't even mad at them. I was just mad at life. And the atmosphere of our entire office was awkward. And so now I figured out when I walk in that even though I don't want to because it's not natural to me because I'm from Pennsylvania, I don't want to say hi to nobody, that every person like, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, it's good seeing you. What's up, champ? Whatever I can say, give high fives, fist pound. The atmosphere of our office is, is different. If I sit in my office every Tuesday morning and I start to whine about how I got to do a sermon again and I can't believe I got to do this again and I start to have cold sweats and chills and I don't want to open my Bible, guess what? The at, if, I will open, if I open my Bible up and I go, yes, I get to preach again in five days. Thank you, Lord, that I get to sit here for the next eight hours and hear from you and receive your word. The atmosphere in my office it is different. It's my attitude that affects my atmosphere. And you can apply this to your job. You can apply this to your marriage. You can apply this to your company. You can apply this if you get a sickness or unexpected uh, a situation coming your way. Attitude is everything. And so what I did is I wanted to study the attitude of Jesus, obviously. And what I wanted to do is I wanted to find out if there was ever a time in his life. Because listen, Jesus, he didn't live the perfect life. He lived the perfect response to life. His life was not perfect. When people say his life was perfect, what, what you assume is his friends were perfect, his family was perfect, his, his, his followers were perfect. They were all jacked up. He just consistently rose above them, and his response to all of those areas was perfect. He lived the perfect response to an imperfect people that he dealt with. And so when you look at his life, I wanted to see, man, maybe, 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 maybe there, was a, there was a time he lost it, like... I even went and studied like the time that he flipped over tables and thought he kind of had a bad attitude when he was over there flipping the tables. And I studied, I'm like, no, it was actually the right attitude, crap. Because I wanted to find at least one time when I could go, well, you know, I had a bad day. You ever, because some of you are going to go, you know, I had a bad day. That's why I had a bad attitude. I've been through some, some stuff or, 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 or I have all kind of troubles at my work or you don't know what I've been. Like you, you're going to start to spout these things off to me. And I wanted to find those situations in the Bible so I could say, listen, we're going to work on having a bad attitude, but here's three times you can really lose your mind. Because that would make the sermon much better, right? Like here's, for the most part, keep a good attitude. But if your wife looks at you the wrong way, you can lose it in that situation. That's fine. And your kids, you have a line where you've come to. And if your kids, they go over that line, it's time. You can, you can lose your mind. And at work, you can get pushed to a certain level, have a good attitude. But if your boss keeps pushing you, here's an example of Jesus losing his mind. And I studied Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And I read and I flipped and I read again. And I studied in the Greek and I could not find one time in Jesus' life when he had a bad attitude. 
not one. So we're going, well, he's Jesus. And so that, that's fine. And so what I did is I just flipped even more through the scripture and I went to the book of Philippians. And the reason I went to the book of Philippians is the writer of Philippians, his name's Paul. He's a follower of Jesus Christ. And his job on this earth after Jesus called him was simply to be a missionary to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he had done everything right, yet he had ended up in a really crappy situation. And he was writing from a Roman prison. And I thought to myself, if there was ever a time, out, okay, let's not even worry about Jesus. He, he was perfect. Like, we're not going to be Jesus. So let me find somebody else who just dropped the ball in scripture and lost their at, had a bad attitude and had a fit. And we could, we could relate to them. And so I went to Paul thinking, surely at some point, he was bitten by snakes. I mean, if there was ever a time to, to complain about life, it's when you get bit by a snake. If there was ever a time to complain, he was shipwrecked, he, he was abandoned, he had friends leave him, he was, he was in prison, the Bible says he was beaten multiple times, and so let me find a time in his life. So I went to Philippians, because that was one of the worst times in his life. He's writing from jail, and he's staring down the barrel of getting beheaded by, by the emperor Nero. So his life is about to be over, and so I thought, man, at some point he's going to write about having a negative attitude, and this is what he, he says about about life, and, and I thought it was, it was fitting. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5, he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset. That word mindset in Greek means attitude. Have the same attitude as Jesus Christ. So then I thought, oh crap, here we go. Who being a very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. What's he saying? He's saying his attitude, even to the point when he was dying on a cross for us, never changed. And then he skips down a few verses and he encourages us with this. And some of you will be discouraging, but in Philippians 2, 14, he says, then here's what you need to do. If you're going to be like Christ, you're going to do everything without, come on, somebody say it. That word just feels like a word you should complain when you're saying it. Do everything, say it again, without grumbling or what? Oh, some of y'all, that, that does not jive with your personality, right? So you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and what? In a warped and crooked generation. In other words, if you want to be like Jesus, you want to look like Jesus in a world that looks nothing like Jesus, then you need to be somebody who lives with a good attitude. Now, you would do everything. See, we, we tend to make things spiritual that aren't really spiritual, like lifting your hands in church. Like that, that's fine if you do that, and that, that's a great response, but anybody can lift their hand in a church building. Reading the Bible, I mean, people, it's the attitude things, the things where, where you read, you worship, and it comes out of you. Those things are, are what actually the Bible is often talking about that make you feel and look like Jesus. And what he's saying is when, when you leave this place, when you go back to work, when you go to your house, when you leave here and interact with your family, one of the things that's going to make you look like Christ is to have his attitude. And let me show you what his attitude looked like. He did everything without complaining and grumbling. He, he did everything with, without, without arguing. He had a different attitude, and we need to understand that it's our attitude that shifts ultimately our, our atmosphere. Some of you are praying for, for somebody at your, your job. You're praying for a spouse. You're praying for, for, for a loved one. Maybe you need to change your attitude around them. Maybe if you would change your attitude, that, that maybe, maybe their attitude and their heart will begin to soften as they see you actually, actually change. So let me give you just three, three attitude adjustments. We're going to kind of build a foundation, areas that I'm working on in my life, because I, if I'm honest, this is, this is one of my weaknesses. My, my attitude, it, it gets me caught up oftentimes. So let me give you three. Number one is this, is I want to, I want to try to live my life with positive thoughts. I'm going to live my life with a positive 
thoughts, you, you become what you think about. Your, your mind is one of your greatest battlefields. We, we don't comprehend this, understand this. Uh, we don't even maybe, maybe think about it uh, enough. But what goes on up here is a great indicator of what's happening in our life. And I want to I begin in my own life, and I want to encourage you to, to live your life with, with positive thoughts. In fact, watch what it says in Proverbs 23. For, for as he thinks in his heart, so he is. You can put a she there. For as she thinks in her heart, so he is. This, this is why two people can go into the same house and see it completely different. This is why you can go into a house and complain about it being dirty, and somebody else can go into a house and go, this is the cleanest house I've ever seen. This is why two people can go to a job and, and experience something, the exact same job, exact same boss, exact same coworkers, something totally different. This is why two people can go on the same vacation and have two exactly uh, distinct different, differing opinions of the, of the vacation. Why? It's because as you think, it's not oftentimes what's going on outside. It's actually what's going on inside that's determining much of your life. As you think, so you become. It's our negative thoughts. And I started to think about all the areas in my life and maybe, 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 maybe your life that we struggle with, with negativity. And maybe, maybe you could just play this game with me real fast. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. Because uh, that'd be embarrassing, but maybe maybe you can just put a little check somewhere in your spirit if you would say, "Yeah, that that's me." Like I think a lot of us we struggle just very personally with negativity. Like you you look in the mirror, you're just very negative about yourself. You're negative about your 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 your, your body. I'm so fat. I'm so ugly. You're negative about your your mistakes. You're negative about your. You're just a negative person uh, about yourself. You just see yourself in ways that maybe you shouldn't see yourself. You, you look in the mirror. Some of you, you don't. You're like, I'm great. That's fine. Let's talk about the normal people in here. <laughs> like a lot of us, we just, we just would struggle with personal ne- negativity. And, and if we just get a little deeper, some of us struggle with what I would call relational negativity. We, we, we don't trust anybody. You're, I'm not going to trust this person. I don't trust men. They're all bad. I'm not, I don't trust bosses. I don't, I don't trust my family. I don't trust any, everybody, has, like whoever you meet goes through the lens of this negativity. You don't even trust them and you haven't even talked to them. You just have relational negativity. Many of you have circumstantial negativity, which you just say stuff like this, like my life is just awful. My family, awful. My, my, my upbringing, awful. Everybody else has a better life than I have. They've experienced better things than I've experienced. Some of you, you're, you're, you get even deeper. You're really spiritually negative. You say stuff like this, like, like God answers everybody else's prayers but mine. Everybody else gets what they want from God but, but me. Some of you are very negative towards church. There's no perfect church out there for me. Duh, by the way. Not every church. Like I, just, I don't like church. I don't like people that go to church, and you're very spiritually negative. This is the one I, I struggle with, being nitpicky negative. Like, it'll be one handprint on a wall, mess my entire month up. <laughs> you ever been there? I'm like, use the knob. It's a door, not anybody, be- it's a door knob. You grab it, you open it up, and you close it. You don't need to touch the door, and it just, it just messes up. Come on, some of you know that's, that's bad. That's why I need this message. <laughs> they come in the house. I'm like, you wash your hands? Because I know if you didn't wash your hands, my house is going to look like a horror movie. So wash your hands, right? And I'm just nitpicky. Go in my car. I'm nitpicky. I come to office. I'm nitpicky. I come to church. I, I'm nitpicky. There's scratch right here on the floor. It's not supposed to be here. Who had crappy shoes on? Get some real shoes. You have generic shoes. They're messing up my stage. And so I'm nitpicky 
I'm just a nitpicky negative person. I see things, they, they bother me, right? Some of you, you, you don't even know how bad you bother me, right? Like your hair out of, out of oil, mess, I'm nitpicky, right? I got problems. <laughs> just takes over my life. Some of you, you're just what I would call extremely negative. Just extreme negativity. You're like, you're so negative, you're not even playing this dumb game. This game's dumb. This whole sermon's dumb. Your face is dumb. <laughs> Everything about you, Limerick, you're dumb, right? Like, this is dumb. And you're just, ext- I can't believe, just get to the point, Pastor, right? And, and I think you need to understand the power of, of the way that you think. And so the first, the first way to change your attitude is to begin to change the way you think. So here's just real, really practical two things. First one is this, is don't dwell on negative thoughts. You're, you're going to have them. It doesn't like go away. You're going you're gonna to see things. You're going to think things. You're going to look at your spouse and you're going to think, that's gross. Why do you do that? And, like, and you're going to look at your kids. You're going to look at your job. You're going to be somewhere. You're going to think negative thoughts, but I'm going to encourage you, don't dwell on them. Don't, don't stew on them. Don't let them bake inside of you. I, I put an acronym for stewing in it. You know, uh, it doesn't make sense because it's not all right in, in the grammar, but, but it helped me remember it. And, and the, the acronym for stew is sitting tightly, establishing a whining, right? Like you're just going to sit down and you're just going to get ready to do what? To whine about something, because that's what it is. I'm just going to whine about my situation. I'm going to whine about my spouse. I'm going to whine about my job. I'm going to whine about whatever. And all of a sudden, it's affecting your entire attitude. Don't camp out in negativity. This might surprise you, but I don't like camping. Don't invite me. I don't want to go. Some of you love it. I don't understand it. We left camping 100 years ago, right? And so I have spent, somebody go, you don't know, it's not, you never did it, that's why you don't like it. No, I did do it when I was 18 years old. I went on a, a canoe excursion down the Delaware River for five days. We, we, we camped on the banks. We put all of our gear in our canoes. We put it in this waterproof bucket. You took it out. You put your tent up. You boiled water to drink water. You went and found a lavatory out in, in the woods. You, 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 you put your sleeping bag out. You did that every night, cooked your own food, packed it all up, canoed for another, you know, 10 miles, got to another campsite, did the exact same thing. It was ridiculous. And I figured out when I was doing it, I hate this. What I'd rather do is go to my sink or my, or my refrigerator if you're really bougie and just get some water, right? And then get some, get some ice and then just drink it. I don't want to boil my, 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 my diseases from my water. And if I'm hungry, I just want to go get a little Debbie. I don't want to grill out granola, right? And, I, and when it's time to sleep, I just want to go to my air-conditioned room. I, I don't want to sleep out in a hot tent. I don't want to wait till it gets cool in the middle of the night, and I don't want to wake up with bugs. That's what I mean. So some of you like camping, and that's fine, but for me, camping is way too much work. And what I'm telling you is it's an awful lot of work for some of you to be negative. It takes a lot of work to go around and find things wrong all the time. It takes a lot of work to be, nit- I know, to be nitpicky negative. And I'm going to encourage you, as soon as you think something negative this week, don't, don't dwell on it. I- instead, here's the other practical application. Instead, watch this, replace your negative thoughts with God's thoughts. And here's the problem with, 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 this, with this statement. It's assuming most church people read their Bible, which they don't. So the reason when you have a negative thought that you can't replace it with a God thought is because most of us have spent most of our lives filling our heads with anything but God thoughts. The music we listen to, the movies and TV shows we watch, the magazines or internet that you, you scroll, the, the people that you talk to, the, the, the conversations that you have, 
It's all filling your head, but oftentimes it's filling your head with the exact opposite of God's truth. You see, Paul says in, in the book of Philippians 4, watch what he says. He says in, in verse 7, he says, In the peace of God which transcends all understanding, what, what does it do? It guards your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. So then he tells us what to do. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, those are the things you should be thinking about. You're, gonna, you're not going to dwell on negative thoughts. Instead, you're going to replace every negative thought you have with, with the truth of God. When, when, you, when you have a negative thought about how you are a victim, you're going to go to the truth of God. And what does it say? No, no, no. You are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus our, our, our Lord. You're going to replace every time you have a desire to complain about something. This day is awful. Now, what does Scripture say? This is the day the Lord has made. I'll do what? You guys know? You guys, the old song. Come on, get the tambourine out. This is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made. Come on. That's the day the Lord has made. It's my job to rejoice. I'm not going to complain about this, this, this day. This is, this is a great day. Every time that a negative thought comes in to, to my head, I'm going to complain about my spouse. No, no, no. My spouse is a g- g- gift, right? Like I don't want, they don't feel like a gift right now. They don't look like a gift. I don't know what you look like right now. You're a gift. Every time I want to complain about my kids, I'm going to go to the Bible, and the Bible's going to tell me that children are a what? Anybody know? A blessing, a heritage from God. They're like, they're like arrows in your quiver. So like, what does that mean? That, 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 that's, like, that's a cool like, warrior term that you get, especially sons, you can pull them out and aim them and shoot them and change the world if you do the right thing. They're a great blessing from God. Some of you are like, I'm single. You didn't talk about being single. Listen, singleness is a gift sometime, y'all. It's a gift. You wake up, you just eat. What do you want to eat? I'm going to eat Pop-Tarts for breakfast. Nobody's going to yell at me. It's, it's, it, everything in your life you can, you can find a gift in. I just offended the single people. It's a gift. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, number one, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to live with positive thoughts. Let me give you, let me give you two more. I'm going to look for positive positive things. You know, as you think, as you get that under in control, it's going to begin to affect everything you see. The way you think affects everything that, that you see. In other words, you need to remember this. If your attitude is garbage, you will only see trash. If your attitude is a garbage attitude, if everything in your life is garbage, it's going to impact the way you see things and you're only going to see trash. And I know this from scripture. This is, this is another leadership principle. I just don't have time to fit this in to, to the series. But the Bible says in Luke chapter six that Jesus said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. In other words, he, he, he brings what, what's good out here from what's, what's in here. So if he can change what's going on in here, it will change what's coming out, out, out here. But what did he say? But an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. That, that in other words, that whatever you are thinking is going gonna, is gonna to impact what you're, you're seeing. And whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. If you're thinking negative thoughts, you're going to consistently find negative things to complain about. But if your head is filled with the truth of God, it's going to impact you find what you're looking for. There's no other explanation for a hummingbird and a vulture. They can go in the same area. What, is the, what does the vulture find? Dead things. What does the sweet, cute hummingbird find? Nectar and all sorts of other things you see on National Geographic Channel, right? 
They go to the same man. They, they, you, a, dead, a dead thing, corroded things, nasty, evil, disgusting things. That's what the vulture goes out to find, so he always finds it. A hummingbird does not go out looking for dead things, so he doesn't find dead things. You, you find what you're looking for. I'm not only, only going to change the way that I think with my attitude. I'm going to change what I'm looking for. I'm going to begin to believe the promises that this is the day the Lord has made. And I will re- rejoice and be glad in it. I'm not going to treat my day and my blessings as ordinary. Because if I treat them as ordinary, what am I going to do? I'm going to take them for granted. And what you take for granted, you always end up losing. And so instead, I'm going to look around at my life and I'm going to notice all of the great things that God has done for me. And I want you to remember this and as I was preparing my message I was done I was getting ready practicing it looking at it on Saturday God said hey write this down in your notes he said your sermon's not good enough yet so I said okay God I'm ready for you and he and he, and he gave me this thought and, and it, it really challenged me and he said make sure you tell them what I'm what I'm what I'm telling you and this this is a conversation I was having in my head he wasn't talking to me that was that was scaring me but but this this is this is what he said he said make sure you tell them that whatever you are currently complaining about to always remember there's somebody else that is crying out for it to me. Whatever you are currently complaining about, there is somebody, maybe even sitting in church by you today, that has been crying out to me that I would give them that thing that you are complaining about. In other words, the kids you always complain about, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a husband and wife that have been praying for, for a child. And that, that prayer has yet to be answered. And meanwhile, you're complaining about the kid that I gave you. That, that spouse that you're praying about, there's a single person that's praying, God, I just want a spouse. And meanwhile, you're complaining about that, that very spouse. How about that job? That job that you're complaining about, there's somebody else that's praying, God, would you open up that amazing door, that house, that car, your health, whatever it looks like, whatever body part that you're, compl- some of you are complaining uh, about, about your, 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 your waist or the size of your legs or the, the foot that you have, and there's somebody else that's praying, God, would you just give me two working feet? Some of you whining about having to walk because you got a far parking spot at church today, and there's somebody else that would just love the chance to walk again. Some of you whining about what you're looking at. You're seeing a bunch of garbage, and there's somebody somewhere who will love for God to restore their, their eyesight so that they could see. Whatever, see, it did that to me too. I got real quiet when I was preparing my message. Whatever you are currently complaining about, just remember somebody else is crying out to God for. And I would encourage you, we have a saying in our office, and it goes like this, always find the pony. Find the pony in your life. Find, find the good things. And where it comes from is this test, this study they did on two little boys. One was a pessimist, one was an optimist. So they put the pessimist in a room full of toys, and they, they said, let's, let's see if he can find something to be excited about. They put this little boy in this room. He goes, he finds all these toys, unopened, brand new toys, and of course, he still finds something to complain about. It's hot in here. This toy right here is not working right. My Legos won't go together right. He's complaining. They put the, they put the optimist, always, always in a good mood, in a room full of manure. And they studied him behind the glass, and all of a sudden, he started digging in the manure, digging and throwing the manure back. And they come running, like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? You're digging in, in manure. And he said, with all this crap in this room, this big, large pile of crap, there has to be a pony in here somewhere. <laughs> and I've shared this story with you a million times because it's, it's a principle we try to apply to our life, and as a staff, and as a church, you just always, always find the pony. There is always something to be thankful for. There, there is always something that can impact your attitude. And, and on the flip side, there's always going to be something to complain about. If this was a perfect life, then we wouldn't need heaven. 
and we wouldn't need Jesus. This life is not perfect. This life is broken. There's going to be things that disappoint you. There's going to be things you don't understand. There's going to be things that, that underwhelm you. There's going to be people that let you down. It's not your job to complain and point it out. It's your job to understand that this world is sinful and broken, and that's the promise we have in heaven. That's the promise we have of, of the future. So I'm going to live with, 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 God, with, with positive thoughts. I'm going to look for positive things. And lastly, as we close, I'm going to listen to positive people. You know, one of the weirdest things, and I'm, not gonna, I'm specifically going to talk to church people right now, is Christians seem to be some of the most negative people in the world. It's a weird thing to say, to say that, because saying you're a negative Christian is like saying you're a Cowboys fan that likes winning, right? <laughs> they, don't, they don't go together. Or a Giants fan, or whatever you want to say. It, 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 it just don't go, you, you can call yourself a Christian if you want. But to say you're a Christian means that you are in obedience and surrender and following Jesus Christ. You desire your life to look like him. You want to react like him. You want to respond like him. You want to think like him. You're filled with the same power, the same spirit. You're obedient to him. You're yielding your life to him. You're not just praying to him some weird prayer and taking some weird confirmation class, but your life is literally is yielded completely to him. You're obedient to his teachings. That's, that's what a Christian is. And if you're going to be a Christian, and that means your life is going to look like Christ and you're going to follow him, then it's really hard to say you can also be a negative person because you don't see it in his life. You don't see a chapter in the Bible where it's like, well, here's, here's, here's your chance to have a really bad day and just have a really crappy attitude and complain all the time and, and, and just let it out. And, and what do we say? I'm just what? I'm just venting. I went to Philippians thinking, man, if there was ever a time where Paul could say, my life is awful. I don't understand it. People have abandoned me. There's churches making fun of me. They're whipping me. I look, look at my body. I look a mess. They've taken literally flesh from me. They've destroyed who I am. And if there was ever a time for somebody to complain that was following Christ, it'd be Paul. And over and over and over again, he says stuff like, consider it joy. He's like, because this is causing perseverance in my faith. He says that he has a, a mind that he wants to finish the race. He wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, that even in the midst of being locked up in this prison, that, that God is moving in the midst of it, and he's reaching the hearts of, of the, those that were guarding him, and he's leading them to the Lord. That, that he had a totally different attitude. And so as I thought about that, I thought, man, one of the things that gets me tripped up a lot of the times is when I get myself surrounded by other negative people. It's like we all just get together, and we all just kind of work off each other. You have friends, you're just negative about anything, everything, you just complain, you get on the phone, you talk about your spouses to each other, which by the way is gossip and it's sin and evil. And you just gossip about your spouse and you talk, you get into the water cooler if that's even a thing anymore. And you talk about your boss and you talk about your coworker and you gossip about them and you complain about your, about your kids and you just hang out with other negative people. And for me, because I don't want to be a negative person, because I want to see the positive and, and, and think the positive and live with positive thoughts, that my last thing is I'm just going to surround myself with positive people. Somebody say, no, it doesn't matter. So Paul lets us know in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, what does he say? He said, don't be misled. Don't, don't have an argument with yourself right now. Bad company corrupts good character. Don't hang out with know-it-all Nancys. Don't, don't, don't hang out with negative Nellies. Don't hang out with the no way Nathans. What are they? Then no matter what you do, they're going to tell you no way it's not going to work. Don't hang out with those people. Surround yourself with positive people. And I, listen, I can't tell you how powerfully effective this is in my life. Just a few weeks ago, 
I was having a day when I wanted to complain. We were going through some stuff at church, personal stuff, and I was on vacation. I don't know if you're ever going away from work and you go on vacation or you have a thought. I'm not, you're like, I'm not going back. I'm free. I got nothing to go back there for. All of my kids are with me. You can have my house and my 2007 Jeep. You can have it all. God, just keep me at the beach, right? I feel called to be a pastor at the beach, right? <laughs> just having one of those dates. And uh, my wife called one of our coworkers, and we were, she was kind of talking, talking through it. And, and this is how you know if you have good friends or not, is one of the coworkers here, as she talked to, and I was kind of in the room when she was talking, is I, wa- I wanted to see, what I really want, I wanted her to complain with us, because that's what I wanted in that moment. I wanted her to talk about how hard it is and complain about it and make me feel better about my weak soul. And she just, she just spoke to my wife and I could kind of overhear, but when she got off the phone, I said, what'd she say? And she said, she said to me, she said, it's, it's okay. Don't worry about what you're going through. She said, we have each other's back here. We, we, we got it. We, we're all in this, we're all in this fight together. What I think she said is, we all we got, we all we need. And I'm telling you right now, I was like, I'm coming home. Because I got a few people that will fight for me, with me. And man, it was, it was a positive influence in, in my life that enabled me to keep going. And some of you, you just need to make a decision. There's certain people in your life that you're just not supposed to be around. You're just not. I, I can't be around you because all we ever do is talk about negative things. And even if we don't talk about negative things, we just sit there in awkward silence and it's weird. So I got to find people who are going to encourage me with the truth and, and push me forward, who I can also push forward. I'm going to surround myself with positive people so that I can see positive things, so that I will think positive things, because I understand that it's my attitude that is everything. My attitude is shifting my atmosphere. I don't need to change a job. I don't need to change a spouse. I don't need to change a career or change a kids. I need to change myself. I'm the same attitude, mindset that Jesus Christ had. What did he do? He didn't grumble. And he didn't argue, and he didn't complain about everything. He humbled himself even to the point of the cross. Attitude's everything. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads? And would you close your eyes? And, and, and my prayer is, sometimes you just preach something so practical that sometimes it can feel like this is too easy. Sometimes church people want like depth. They want deep, deep stuff. But they don't really know what to do with it afterwards. Sometimes you need to understand the things that seem so superficial and so surface level are the deepest things. Your attitude is, is really important. He says, don't be like everybody else. Don't be like this sinful, wicked generation. He's talking about their attitudes. Don't be the, those that complain and find, find every, every area in their life to point out the negative. Instead, be a person who has the attitude of Christ. Some of you just need to repent in, in this moment. Some of you, you need to repent of, of a bad attitude. Repent to your, your spouse. Re, repent to your kids. Repent to a boss tomorrow. You need to go to them and say, hey, man, I haven't been thankful for what God has given me. And, and here's the thing. As you begin to be thankful for it, you'll begin to see it differently. As you think, so you become. And as we get ready to close in this moment, and I want you to just have a time with God. That's what we do here today. When you bow your heads and close your eyes, you can do one of two things. You can check out and just wait till I say amen, and you can leave, and that's, that's your prerogative. Or you can have a real moment with Jesus right now. You can say, hey, man, my attitude has been garbage. You can repent. You can give him your heart. You can give him everything you are. You can refocus who you are. You can begin to say, hey, here's the things I'm thankful for because maybe all you've done is complain before God. So here's all the things that I'm thankful for. 
Maybe you're standing beside your spouse and you've done a great job of tearing them down over the last week or two. Maybe you've told them everything that's wrong with them and how you regret marrying them and you know that's not the right attitude and there's no healing there. So maybe in this moment you just reach over and you just grab your spouse's hand as you begin to pray for them. I'm not sure what it looks like, but I know this is an opportunity. And and as we, we close, we do the same thing every week at church. See, you need to understand kind of this whole thing. We don't come here today because we're religious people. We don't show up at church because we're practicing religion. We show up for those of us who know Jesus because we're in a relationship with, with God through his son. And he didn't save us because we accomplished something good at some point in this room, but he saved us when we were broken and hurting and lost. And so now we come here hungry for his word and hungry for his presence. We come here with the desire to be used to build his kingdom. We come here with the desire to, to share the message that changed us. And so at the end of every Journey Church experience, we want to explain that message and give somebody a chance to respond to it. The truth is God doesn't need to speak to us. He doesn't need to give us his word. He doesn't even need to love us, but he chose us. And how I know he chose us is the Bible says that for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That he loved us so much that 2,000 years ago that Jesus Christ stepped out of, out of heaven into, into this broken world. And the Bible says that he died on a cross for our sins. And so he doesn't save perfect people. He saves lost people. And each one of us in this room that are in a relationship with him, at some point, we were there. And we decided in the moment just like this, Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. And the Bible says that for anyone who would confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus would save them, that he would come into their life, that he would guide them and lead them, that he would give them the promise not not only of a life full of purpose, but of eternal life. See, I did a funeral yesterday, and one of the greatest blessings as a pastor is when you do a funeral and you don't have to tell people this guy or this girl's in a better place because oftentimes it's just a lie that you say to people that are mourning because you don't know. So when we talk about heaven, we don't talk about a better place. We don't talk about something that maybe you get there, maybe you don't. The option is yours. And so when I did this funeral yesterday, I could tell his family and friends, he died unexpectedly, but I know a few months back that he put his faith in Jesus Christ and he was getting ready to get baptized in water at our, at our Journey Fest July, in July. And he died unexpectedly, but the Bible says to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. And so I know that he is where God said he would be at. And if I could do anything, if I could do anything here today, it would simply be to convince you to make sure that you're heading there as well. And he was saved not because he was perfect, but because of Jesus. And so that same message is available here today for anyone who confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, that they would be saved. That we're not here today because we're perfect people. We're here today because we're saved people. And there's somebody in this place that your heart is hardened, that your heart is broken, that your heart feels in despair, that your heart is filled with bitterness and hatred and resentment. But Jesus is the healer of hearts. He sets people free. He's the one who makes old things new. He redeems us. He buys us back. He gives us a new life. If you're here right now and you don't know him, I want to lead you to him today. He's here right now and his arms are outstretched to you. And the Bible says that he's knocking at the door of your heart. And all you got to do is invite him in. It's not a long 
a long drawn out religious prayer it's simply you saying Jesus this is my moment and so if you're at Royersford Plymouth meeting Limerick or right here front to back side to side young to old church to unchurch and you say you know what my life's not right with Christ I never invited him into, into my life he's not my Lord and my Savior I've been to church but I've never experienced Jesus and today I can feel him knocking at the door of my heart and I want to let him in I want to say yes to Jesus Christ if you're here right now with nobody looking around and you would say pastor I need to say yes to Jesus today I want to start a relationship with Jesus if that's you all over our houses would you just simply shoot your hand up in the air I want to know that I'm praying with you as we close I'm not going to ask you to come forward I'm not going to point you out I see a hand right over here is there anybody else who say hey pastor that's me I'm not going to make everybody turn around I, I just want to know I'm praying with you so I want to see your hand and then I want to lead you in prayer all of other campuses there's a campus director standing in front when you raise their hand they're gonna let me know church let's begin to pray Jesus thank you for this day thank you for my friends all over our campuses that are raising their hand in submission to you today they're giving their life to you everything they are everywhere they've been all the mistakes that they've made all the baggage that they carry Lord, today's a day of freedom that when you died on that cross, you died for our sins in our place. It took your lifeless body off of that tomb and they placed you in a, tomb, in a tomb and they tried to keep you dead. But the Bible says on the third day you rose in power. And what that tells us is no matter how bad that our life has been, no matter how dark that it seems, that if our heart is still beating, that God, you still have a good and purpose-filled plan for us. Lord, thank you for saving people. Thank you for setting people free. Thank you for your forgiveness of sins. Thank you for your promise of eternity. And Lord, as we continue to pray all over our houses, Lord, Lord, we are thankful for what you're doing through your word that you're going to practically impact us this week. Lord, that we're going to have a better attitude, an attitude that reflects you, a mindset that reflects you, that we won't grumble and we won't complain, but that God will find value in everything that we're looking at. Lord, change what we think, change how we, we see things, Lord. Lord, give us better healthy relationships, Lord, as we change our attitude. Attitude is everything, Lord. But as we leave this place, Lord, we want to be on a church on mission. We want to represent you in everything we think, say, and do. Lord, thank you for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. In Jesus' name that we pray. Church, one more time, would you shout amen? Come on, let's clap together one more time. And hey, let's keep clapping for the person in Royersford who decided to follow Christ. That's what's up.